Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS On Air Market Moves podcast channel. For today, we are continuing on with our annual Market Outlook series. For today's conversation, glad to have back with me William Davies, the Global Chief Investment Officer for Columbia Threadneedle Investments. So William, it's great to be back with you here on UBS On Air. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to hearing your expectations for the markets in the year ahead. Welcome. Dan, thank you very much indeed for the uh, uh, for the invite. Thank you. Absolutely. So there's a lot to catch up on. We'll get right into it. And I know heading into the year, William, there was a lot of anticipation over a continuation, so to speak, of challenging conditions for investors. And we think back to what a tumultuous, challenging year 2022 was. So I'm curious to hear about your thinking there, what factors or themes might drive markets throughout the course of 2023. What's on your radar? Well, thanks very much indeed, Dan. I mean, uh, you're so right that uh, 22 was an absolutely tumultuous um, uh, year. I wouldn't wish 2022 on um, uh, on anyone <laughs> as we move forward. Um, uh, but actually, given uh, the uh, the really challenging conditions, the challenging performance uh, we've had in 2022, I think that has ramifications uh, for 2023. Now, why do I say that? Um, you know, we look at, uh, say, a U.S. equity market, uh, which is down 20% or so um, over the year. Uh, we look at, uh, 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 say, the 10-year yield um, in the U.S., which has uh, gone up from, you know, 1.5% or so um, to uh, uh, 3.5%. And, uh, and it, was, <laughs> excuse me, it went there uh, via over 4% uh, during the year. We had Fed funds rates going from um, zero uh, to four and a half percent or so. So it, it has been uh, one heck of a year, 2022. And uh, one of the things which we have to bear in mind as we go into 2023 is I hear a lot of um, uh, uh, negativity um, around. I hear a lot of bearishness. Um, people starting to maybe see green shoots, but saying, well, hang on, hang on. We've had this really difficult year when we've seen inflation um, uh, rise out of hand. We've seen interest rates uh, rise beyond what anyone expected um, a year ago. Uh, we're looking at a potential recession this year and certainly a slowdown um, in economic activity as we go through 23. So we're likely uh, to see some sort of a hit to uh, profitability of company, to earnings as we go forward. And so uh, consequently, you know, it's going to be really tough as we go into 23. I kind of look at that and think, be a little bit careful about being overly negative as we go into 2023. Now, why do I say that? The reason I say that is that uh, equity markets have already fallen that 20% and uh, they were lower um, uh, during the year. There's a lot of bad um, uh, news already within um, uh, equity markets. Let's look at those credit markets. Uh, we have a, a yield on the 10-year, say, of uh, 3.5%, um, a little bit above, and we've been higher uh, than that. Uh, there's an awful lot of uh, bad news already factored in uh, with regards to inflation. And yes, we do expect Fed funds rates to uh, rise a further 25 basis points um, next month and probably rise um, a little bit further uh, beyond that. But that is, already in equi- that is already in markets. That is already factored in. And we're going to hit a position uh, where, you know, as we approach um, uh, the end of the first quarter, or whatever, where uh, interest rate expectations are going to be flat as we move forward. We don't expect that interest rates are going to come straight back down. 
However, we do believe that interest rates being stable is so much better than last year, where we saw four 75 basis point um, rises in a row um, uh, during the year. Um, and uh, I guess where we come from is stability is so much better than what we saw um, uh, last year. And so consequently, the negative um, uh, aspects for, uh, amongst expectations now with regards to equities is around the earnings. One thing which occurred in 22 was actually earnings held up a lot better uh, than many feared. Uh, many feared that margins would be hit, but actually margins held up better um, uh, than, uh, than expected. I think this earnings season is going to be really interesting as we go through Q1. If we don't see that hit to earnings or the, the, uh, the negative profitability starting to come through, I think people will start to say, do you know what? We're seeing stability in um, uh, interest rates. Uh, actually, the worst is not occurring um, in, in profits. And if we're expecting to see a mild um, uh, recession or slowdown, then actually uh, some people are saying it's going to be a weak first half and then maybe we'll see uh, recovery later in the year in equity markets. I'll be careful of being too cute about that. And I would say if, we expect, if people are expecting a fall now and a rise later, don't overly rely on that fall right now because it may not occur. So I'd expect a bit more stability um, earlier in the year and maybe actually um, uh, markets rising as we start this year. So I'm a little bit different uh, to some. I'm less negative. Um, and we at Columbia Threadneedle will be less negative um, uh, about the year, recognizing the risks. Uh, but actually, uh, there are opportunities as well as we go into this year, Dan. Okay, so sensing a little optimism, especially as we make our way further into 2023. Uh, just singling out monetary policy, I know, William, you shared with us a few moments ago your near-term expectations. Though, as we make our way further into the year, how do you see monetary policy playing out? Might a pause in rate hikes be on the table, depending on how conditions materialize? And how might the Fed's core influence that of other global central banks? Yeah, well, Dan, that's, um, those are really good um, uh, questions. Um, uh, but I think it's really important at the moment, and I wouldn't normally say this, but I think it's really important at the moment not to listen too carefully to the Fed. Now, why on earth would I say that? You know, they're giving their dot plots, they're giving, uh, you know, expectations of what uh, may occur. Put yourself in the shoes of, uh, of, uh, of a Fed governor. Um, if a Fed governor were to come out and say, do you know what, we expect we'll get, have a 25 basis point rise in February, and then that may be it. What is going to happen to the yield curve? The yield curve is going to shift downwards as suddenly everyone starts to expect uh, that uh, rates are peaking out um, sooner rather than later. And what will the Fed then have done? They'll have loosened monetary conditions at a time when they want to keep them relatively tight. So I would say don't listen to the Fed. Look at the data. Now, the data is actually a little bit mixed um, at the moment because you can look at the unemployment rate and say three and a half percent unemployment rate in the um, you know, in the U.S. That's incredibly low. That's not that's not um, uh, consistent with um, a recession. But we do see um, uh, weaker ISM numbers. Uh, we see inflation uh, coming down. Keep an eye on the data because ultimately that is going to drive interest rates. And it's in the Fed's interest 
to try and remain hawkish as long as they possibly can in order that uh, monetary conditions don't uh, loosen. So, yes, we expect an interest rate uh, rise um, uh, February, 25 basis points, more likely than the 50 we saw last time. Yes, there could be another one um, uh, thereafter. But around about then, we expect to see uh, Fed funds um, uh, 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 kind of uh, uh, pausing um, or maintaining that level, I should say, rather, for a sustained period of time until we see whether or not the fall in inflation, you know, which we expect to uh, come down over the, over the next few months and certainly out to um, uh, March, both at the headline level and at the uh, core level, um, we expect that given the declines in inflation, uh, the, the hope is that um, uh, the follow through into wages doesn't occur as much in um, uh, 23 and 24 as it has done um, in the recent past. And we then start to get um, uh, lower inflation and potentially the expectation that rates will fall. But I do not expect rates to uh, fall anytime soon. It's quite possible we don't see rates fall from those higher levels at all. Uh, this year, but stability um, should be enough to help uh, markets. Um, if we look around the world, we see a similar um, uh, similar uh, things going on within Europe. Um, at the ECB, we expect to see uh, further rate increases short term, but then topping out as we go through the um, uh, through the year. Um, who knows what will happen in uh, Japan as they uh, change their monetary policy? Um, and we see uh, the 10-year yield up at half uh, percent, having been um, capped effectively at 10 basis points for a long period of time. But 0.5% 10-year yield, it's hardly um, extraordinary or as well. <laughs> Maybe extraordinary, but it's certainly not high um, uh, uh, relative to uh, other rates um, uh, around the world. And so we'd see, um, uh, I guess, a common or more common policy of rate staffing starting to uh, um, uh, plateau as we go through this year around the world. Uh, the one area where it's a little bit different, I, um, I guess, is China. Uh, China um, is reversing their zero COVID policy. Uh, we start to see, uh, I guess, an opening up um, of the economy. Uh, that leads to all sorts of health pressures, um, uh, medium term, but we expect the COVID um, uh, incidents probably to peak um, over the next month, two months um, or so. Uh, but do we get data we can rely on there? That's very difficult um, uh, to, uh, to be confident um, uh, about. So in terms of monetary policy, Dan, yes, um, uh, short-term rates or central bank rates uh, plateauing as we go into um, uh, Q2, Q2 this year and thereafter. And that hopefully will be enough to give us more stability within markets and less volatility than we saw in 22. And you may say, well, less volatility in 22, that's hardly a very high hurdle. Uh, but often we enter years and say there's so much uncertainty, we expect to see volatility. Well, we would expect to see less volatility in 23 than we've seen in, in, um, uh, in 22. We've hit on some policy macroeconomic risks uh, within the realm of geopolitics. Anything in the way of risk, William, that stands out to you that you'll be monitoring throughout the year? Geopolitics is, uh, I mean, the, there are those which are the, the really uh, horrible um, uh, geopolitics from uh, an inhumane uh, viewpoint with uh, Russia's um, invasion of Ukraine almost a year ago um, now, in February of, uh, of 22. Um, uh, we would expect that to be long and drawn out, um, uh, unfortunately. Um, uh, the world is learning to 
cope in terms of economics and in terms of supply chains. We've seen the shocks to commodity prices, uh, to oil prices, which are almost back to um, the the pre-invasion levels now, the um, oil prices. Uh, We've seen uh, food prices um, uh, rise. Um, and yes, that continues to be an infl- have an inflationary impact um, uh, around the world, uh, given the supply coming out of Russia and indeed uh, Ukraine, or not coming out of there, um, maybe more apposite um, uh, uh, um, at, the, at the moment. So those geopolitical tensions are likely to continue. In terms of um, uh, attitude to Russia, uh, effectively, we are back in Cold War. Um, uh, except it's with Russia as opposed to all of um, uh, Eastern uh, Europe. Um, and we can't really see a change to that without regime change uh, within uh, Russia. I think China is far more difficult um, to gauge. Um, after Russia's invasion of uh, Ukraine, there was a lot of concern about uh, would uh, China be emboldened with regard to Taiwan. I think the Chinese would look at the sanctions on Russia and believe that that is the last thing that a Chinese economy emerging from COVID would want uh, additional sanctions. And so, you know, there's been mixed rhetoric here. There's been um, some signs of a thawing of the um, of the relationship between China and the U.S. and China and the rest of the West um, as well. Um, if that were to lead to um, uh, to a recovery in trade, that would obviously be a positive for global growth, but let's not um, overestimate here. Um, certainly the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the relationship between China and the West with regard to semiconductors and uh, other uh, intellectual uh, property is, is tough as we move forward. So we don't expect to go back to uh, the easy relationship that we saw in the 2000s and the 2010s. Uh, but will it be? Uh, will it uh, reach worse fears in terms of additional um, uh, sanctions on China? I'll be a bit circumspect about that because uh, leaders in the West and indeed in China, it's in their interest to see economic growth and less pressure on inflation and better relations between China and, uh, and the West would help with that. Um, so a bit unpredictable um, uh, uh, there, Dan. Yeah, there's a lot there, William, in the way of geopolitical considerations to be mindful of. Uh, in terms of asset allocation, so we're coming off a year that was difficult for both equity and bond investors, leaving question marks out there as to where to navigate to for opportunity. Given the outlook you shared with us in terms of macroeconomics, the policy, monetary policy outlook a few moments ago, how are you thinking about allocation right now, William? Yeah, so it's a, you know, 22 was horrible um, in as much as, uh, you know, we saw uh, credit markets down 15% or so, depending on which credit market you're uh, looking at, equity markets down 20% or so, again, depending on what um, market you're looking at. The traditional 60-40 portfolio performed, aw- performed awfully uh, last year, unless you had commodities. It was really difficult um, to uh, benefit from um, asset uh, uh, allocation. Um, as we move into 23, I've already said that uh, I think that we'll see a topping out in short-term rates. Um, I think that uh, uh, the credit markets uh, will be quite interesting um, because I think we'll see positive returns from credit markets this year. Um, I think if we look at uh, uh, corporates around the world, uh, undoubtedly, if we have a, a, a mild recession, 
Uh, there will be those corporates um, uh, that suffer. They'll find it more difficult to raise money, uh, given that uh, rates are much higher now than they were previously. But corporate balance sheets are pretty strong um, around the world. Uh, we would favor uh, the better quality credit investment grade um, over um, high yield, uh, given the risk reward. Um, and the, the rules, uh, we would expect to see uh, defaults rise, particularly within high yield, uh, but they were incredibly low last year, given the difficulty of the, of the year, the challenges we saw um, in, uh, in 22. Um, so, yes, we would expect to see positive returns um, uh, from credit, but uh, uh, we would favor uh, the stronger um, uh, quality, uh, the higher rated uh, credits um, around the world in equities. Um, having seen uh, uh, fixed income markets and uh, equity markets both fall last year, we think credit markets can rise this year. We can see positive returns there, not only from the income, but probably a little bit from the capital as well. But in equity markets, we'd expect to see positive returns um, uh, also, most particularly if the worst fears um, around um, hitch to earnings don't materialize. And that's why I think the first quarter and potentially the second quarter are going to be quite interesting in terms of the reporting um, uh, season uh, this year. If we don't see uh, those worst fears come through, um, actually, the returns in equities may come earlier in the year rather than later in the year because people are positioned uh, for, uh, I guess, more fear um, earlier in the year. And we're already saying that uh, the volatility around interest rates is going to be less um, this year. Um, and if there's any support whatsoever <coughs> excuse me, from, uh, from earnings, then again, uh, that is going to be positive um, uh, for equities. Around the world, where would we, um, uh, where would we look? The cheapest markets are in emerging markets. They're in Europe. Uh, the U.S. is um, a little bit more expensive than other markets. But the U.S. market has that much more breadth than other markets. Um, I think it would still be, uh, you know, within a portfolio, um, emerging markets must or should be a part of that portfolio. But I wouldn't um, increase the position to significantly overweight in emerging markets uh, the reason being that I think there is still risk um, around there. And so if we look at the tail risk uh, within markets, it would remain uh, that something is escalating with regards to Russia, that China, um, the, the trade terms um, don't uh, uh, return as, uh, as quickly as, uh, as, as one may hope. So whilst there may be decent returns in emerging markets, there is additional risk uh, within those um, uh, particular um, uh, markets. Um, in terms of Europe versus the U.S., um, I still believe that the breadth of the U.S. market um, is, uh, uh, is really quite attractive. Um, but within Europe, um, you know, the, the markets are pretty cheap, and we have been, uh, or markets have been, uh, uh, discounting recession, um, which could be quite deep uh, given the, uh, given the uh, high energy prices and gas prices in Europe. But with the uh, winter progressing as mildly as it is, uh, the worst fears about recession around Europe um, are not nearly as um, uh, severe or as bad as they were a couple of months ago. Um, so, yeah, really quite constructive. Um, but I don't think it's going to be one of those years where value outperforms growth enormously. Europe outperforms the U.S. enormously. Um, and so I think maybe it's a little bit less important around that asset allocation. It's just being involved uh, within those markets, but within credit, 
um, we would emphasize the higher quality rather than the um, lower quality. Well, from the sounds of it, there's a lot out there in the way of opportunity to consider and hopefully brighter days ahead for portfolios. William, as always, you're very generous with your time and your insights. Before we wrap up, any final thoughts or takeaways you would like to leave us with today? No, I mean, I, I guess, Dan, you know, the, uh, um, you know, the, the, the old saying that, uh, you know, when there is uh, uh, so much fear around, maybe it's time to be, you know, greedy and to invest. And when people are being very greedy, it's time to be fearful. And certainly there's a lot of fear around at the moment. So I think it's, um, it's wise to, uh, you know, to be investing in um, uh, capital markets um, at, the, at the moment. That doesn't mean one has to take the highest risk within the markets, just to be involved in those um, uh, capital markets. That's the way we would look at things um, at the moment. Uh, but given the year that we've had, um, and as we enter 2023, I'd just like to take this opportunity to wish wish you all um, a very, very happy new year. And may 2023 uh, be, uh, be that much better than 2022. I know that's a low hurdle, uh, but uh, that's what we'll be aiming for um, uh, this year, an improving environment. Best wishes to you all. Well, likewise, William, that's a good note to end on. And thank you very much for joining us here on our 2023 Market Outlook series for your guidance and for sharing with us your expectations. And the conversation can continue. Looking forward to keeping in touch and checking back in as the year progresses to see how everything shakes out. But thank you again, William. Great catching up with you today. And thank you very much indeed. And from all at Columbia Threadneedle, best wishes to all at UBS. Thank you very much. UBS Financial Services, Inc., or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.